So what I'm trying to do here today again is to lay the groundwork, the foundation for this, I guess, nine months or so of working with the breath. <clears throat> and those of you interested in this, maybe this may become your primary meditation practice for this period of time. And as we go through these Dharma practice days, the instructions and the practice will unfold, develop. And in starting at the basics, the, one of the basic aspects of it is how you prepare yourself to meditate. Kind of the process of getting into meditation, the settling in, the setting up time that you do. And so you might see if you can figure out a really good setting up time, setting up procedure, five minutes or so of really helping you kind of arrive, get here. And it also can, also can be very helpful to have a, um, what's the opposite of setting up, setting down? <laughs> at, at the end of the sitting, to spend a couple of minutes at the end of the sitting reviewing that meditation practice. Because uh, in some ways, meditation practice is some, uh, a friend of mine, uh, maybe it's a common term, a friend of mine taught me this word, expression, um, adult learning. So I guess non-adult learning is when you're told everything. And adult learning is when you're motivated to, on your own to learn and to study and find out. And, and so meditation has a quality that you're kind of you're trying to stu- you're studying something. You're learning about yourself, learning how meditation unfolds and works. And so you're studying yourself. You're, you, you, and so to have some time at the end of a sitting to review what that sitting was like is a chance you have of kind of recap, get an overview of the whole thing, understand what happens. And again, it's it's important. Uh, there's no need to judge or to criticize or think you know judge yourself negatively in the meditation. You just kind of like to get the bigger picture of what happened there. And the, the, because the more information you can get, the more you can understand what happened, the more information you have for, um, for the, you know, not even consciously, but even some subconsciously, for the whole system, the psychophysical system, to be, in, begin becoming more sensitive to what goes on to you when you meditate. Um, so that next time you come down to sit down to meditate, you might be a little bit more uh, sensitive, a little more attuned to some of the things that might happen. So, for example, if you notice at the end of a sitting that you're always thinking about, you know, getting your uh, smog test on your car, you know, that's a really big black hole for your mind. You go in those, those thoughts. Then uh, next time you sit down, you know, oh, there's a pattern here, smog test pattern. And uh, so I need to be alert for this and not succumb to it so easily. But if you didn't note that, if you weren't, didn't kind of look back and note, oh, yeah, there's a smog test kind of thing in my mind. If you just kind of, kind of you know, mindlessly kind of did your meditation <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know, didn't really take stock of what was really going on, then when you, next time you sit down, you're not going to be so alert. Your mind's not going to know what to be on the lookout for and what to be careful for. This doesn't have to make you more agitated or more tense. It's just actually just, you know, you're getting the lay of the land better, more familiar with what's going on. Also, um, uh, at that review at the end, it's very innocently, non-judgmentally in a sense, you can, you can evaluate, could I have done better? Could I have been more engaged? Could I have put a little more effort in this? Could I have been more diligent? Um, and I underscore it, saying many times, don't judge, just, it's just information. Oh yeah, I didn't have to think about smog tests as much. You know, I didn't have, you know, I, there, was, there, was a, there was a few junctures there where I could have actually come back faster, sooner. But I was a little bit lazy or I thought this was really important or whatever. And I could have come back quicker. I could have applied myself more. And um, 
the more information your whole system can take in, recognizing the overview, um, uh, my, my suggestion, my experience is that the, um, uh, the more you, that's under your belt next time you come down to meditate, and it uh, supports the meditation as you develop and grows over time. Um, so there's a setting up time, and then there's the coming out time, and to do that consciously. <clears throat> and if you don't, coming out of meditation, if you just kind of ring the bell and <clears throat> pop out of your cushion and dash you know, down to the kitchen for breakfast and newspaper and the radio and, you know, whatever you do, then um, you're not really letting yourself digest what happened. That caught that fully. So to give you kind of digestion time at the end. And then um, in the middle part of the meditation, you know, for this first stage, the first stage is getting really familiar with your breathing. Just to really discover intimately, closely, as much as you can, is about how you breathe, how you breathe in different situations. Uh, find out as much about your breath as you can. Um, there's so many different aspects to breathing. There's a speed in which you, you breathe. How, how many breaths do you do a minute, for example? It's kind of interesting to know. Uh, and you can get a kind of rough sense of when breathing is going fast, when it's slow. Uh, you can know the, um, the, the depth of your breath. You know, you're, you're to big breaths or are they very subtle breaths or slight breaths as you breathe. It's very interesting to have a slight breath. Like maybe Mary up there was suggesting that she hardly feels her breath at all, so she has to breathe more deeply. <clears throat> it might be very interesting to explore, if that's the case, slight breath, explore it really carefully. What does it feel like to have a slight breath? Uh, where's the, what's the limits? What's the outer boundaries of the slight breath? How, how much do I experience? And is it being held in check? Is it that, um, uh, you know, what, what is the cause and conditions for that very slight breath? Is it really calm? Am I really, um, some people have very slight breaths because they're, they're afraid, they're kind of anxiety or fear, they're holding themselves in, contracted. Um, and, um, so, you know, uh, to study what's going on here. So, is it big, breathing big? Is it slight? Is it fast? Is it slow? Is it shallow? Is it deep? Is it uh, rough or is it smooth? Is it, um, what parts of the body move when you breathe? In different situations, what part of the body gets activated? What, what parts of your uh, body get activated? In terms of breathing, what parts of your body breathe or experience breathing when you're angry? What parts of your body experience breathing when you're sad or when you're afraid or when you're um, excited by something or when you're bored. You know, what happens? Explore. Get to know all this stuff. So, so that's the first stage. Getting really to know it well. The second... Um, so that's the first two stages of these 16 stages. The, um, the third stage is um, when breathing in, when experiences the whole body. Breathing out, one experiences the whole body. And um, now this expression, whole body, is a little bit controversial. No one really knows for sure what the Buddha meant. So again, today I have different teachers who will teach you different things, different ways in which they understand that. Everybody who has a different technique for meditation will, you know, prejudice how you interpret the whole body. So for example, for some people, it's really the whole body, your whole physical body. You can feel your whole physical body like a big container, kind of develop a really heightened sensitivity and embodied sensitivity of your body. And then you're aware of all the different sensations in your body that move through it as you breathe. You're aware of kind of a big container. Uh, some other people think that the, uh, the whole body is not your whole body, it's only 
that part of your physical experience which is connected to your breathing. So it's your whole breath body. They call it the breath body. So if you're, if you're, you're not interested in your little toe because nothing happens there when you breathe. But you're, you're interested perhaps somewhere between you know, your hips and your nose. That's what seems to move mostly. So that's your breath body. So you're aware of whatever experience in your body that's breathing. Anything in your body is connected to the sense of breathing. That's what you're aware of. That's the whole body. Another interpretation I've seen is the whole body is, um, is uh, uh, the beginning, middle, and end of the in-breath. The beginning, middle, and end of the out-breath. So there's continuity through time of, uh, that's continuous. And that's the whole, the whole body is the whole experience through time, the continuity of breathing in and breathing out. So you're not even, you might not be aware of your whole, your whole body breathing. You might have one place in your body, like a tip, like the, the, the sensations of the breath going in through your nostrils, sensations in, the, in your belly as your belly rises and falls, some place in your chest that you feel rising and falling. So you might be a point or a little spot that you, where you primarily experience the breath. And you keep your attention on that spot, which can be very concentrated to keep it in one place. And in that one place, you make sure your attention is continuous so that you're aware of the whole you know, all the different pieces of breathing in and breathing out. So the analogy I like to use for this little bit is, um, it's a little bit of an analogy for saying concentrated and connected to the breath continuously, is um, if you fly a kite, then um, the kite's flying, is, you know, flying in the wind up there and you have the string attached to it. And if the string gets uh, really loose, slack, the kite's gonna fall. So you don't you want to reel it in a little bit, make sure there's kind of a taut feeling on the on the rope. Um, but if there's a real big, powerful gust coming along, and it gets too tight, the weak little string you have, you have to give string, give a string out, so it kind of pulls away. So it can't be too tight or it can't be too loose. You keep it just the right tautness. So the same thing with uh, the connection of your attention to the experience of breathing. You want to have it continuous. So you're always staying. I don't know if taut is the right word here, but always staying connected. Not too tight, but also not slack either. But you keep that connection like a string or like a something, or like a hand touching a body being massaged. You keep the attention there continuous. The massage analogy, which I'm using a lot today, I was taught when I took a massage class 30 some years ago, that, um, that the masseuse should never um, lose contact with the person being massaged. So if you have to do something, get oil and put oil in your hand or something, you kind of make sure part of your hand is touching them so that you don't break contact because somehow that's kind of maybe jarring for the person getting massage. So the same thing with your breath. You don't want to lose that contact with your breath. And so you know, some might have this continuity of contact through time. And um, so for some people I've seen the breath, the, 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 the whole body doesn't refer to the whole physical body, but rather the whole experience through time of one point of the body that's breathing. Does that make sense? And um, so it a little bit depends on how you want to experience the breathing. Uh, I put, um, for myself, I find two, there's two ways in which I meditate on the breath um, that I find very beneficial. One way is uh, more the whole breath body, the whole experience of kind of like the whole body moving. It's kind of like the bellows, kind of big, kind of 
balloon that kind of expands and contracts. You know, this experience of kind of often sometimes I'm very attentive. It feels like a you know, starting point, someplace my diaphragm, my belly that expands and ripples outwards. And sometimes a sense of rippling out sensations or awareness goes even beyond the edges of my body and very spacious, very open, and then comes back and comes back and settles and comes back to this point. And then sometimes that sense of point disappears and there's a sense of pause or quiet for a while. And then it begins again, expanding and contracting. And um, I find that sometimes very concentrating and very settling, very relaxing, very nice. Other times what I like doing is um, choosing one particular place. And my favorite place is my belly. Or the kind of, or my, I just blew the ball my belly button. And uh, connect there and, and kind of be aware of the kind of a spot. For me, it's probably like an inch and a half in diameter or something. And keep my attention there. And just keep it there. And, be aware, and, and really track really carefully the changing sensations in that one place. To let there be real continuity. And sometimes that's, uh, if, I can kind of, that's, if I can just do that completely then um, a lot of other things fall away. Uh, my thoughts, my other concerns, and um, sometimes I can get very concentrated that way. And um, so those are the two ways I do. I do. And so if the experience, the second, this third stage of experiencing the whole body, <coughs> uh, you know, it's a little bit different for each kind of meditation. One, one is really develop the continuity at the spot, and the other is really to kind of expand outwards and feel the whole body, feel more and more of the body whole body becomes more sensitized or awake or aware. And part of the paradox with the body becoming more aware, the whole body, is as the mind gets more concentrated and still, the body starts feeling a little bit lighter or porous or you know, less there in a sense. It doesn't feel so solid anymore, which can be a very relaxing feeling to have. Um, is this making sense? So do you have any questions? Yes. I'm having a little bit of a um, Heisenberg's uncertainty principle problem to the effect that um, uh, you, you can't really observe an object Without changing it, don't worry about it, somewhat. So, so uh, if if observing my breath or my body is connected to my breath closely makes it difficult to continue uh, breathing in a completely natural matter, natural ma- manner. Don't worry about it. Yes, don't worry about it. Okay. The um, <clears throat> so two things. One is that if. Um, um, I mean, at this stage of meditation, uh, the idea is n- not to interfere with your breathing consciously, intentionally. But uh, the uh, careful attention to the breath will change the experience of breathing. Almost everything affects your breathing. So, um, so even, if, even if you didn't pay attention to your breath but allowed yourself to space out in, in fantasy, that's going to affect your breathing you know, in some sort of way. Everything affects the breathing. So, uh, so it, but the idea is not to consciously or intentionally try to change your breath at this point, just to get familiar with it. And one of the things you become familiar with is the way in which at different things like attention, focus, and concentration affects the breathing. That's fine if it happens not intentionally that way. Then there was another thing. Uh, so that was one thing is the... Um, um, and if you do, the other thing is if you, if you are controlling your breath, 
intention, more or less intentionally. You see, like I'm just I'm just a neurotic control freak. I'm just trying to make it, you know, control the breath and having the right breath. I'm always pushing or pulling or doing this with my breath and whatever. And you can't stop it easily. Then don't worry about that either, because then what you're trying to study, become aware of, is what it feels like to have a controlled breath. You're going to become the world expert on what it feels like to have a controlled breath. You get to study that. So you can write a dissertation at the end. This is what I really know what it's like. This is what exactly what it feels like. And, you know, and so just be content and happy as you're controlling your breath. And if you can't stop it, just be content. <clears throat> you're so lucky to be able to meditate. And then, uh, but to really look at it. And, and that does two things. One is it allows you to study something. You're, you're present and study. You're present in the present moment. You're connected. You're engaged. And, um, and also you're kind of not making it a big deal. If you don't make it a big deal, probably it'll just pass on its own. Okay? okay. Yes, here. You know, the English word spirit, how it's related to breathing. Right. And um, it, I know it's irrelevant, but I just have to ask. You know, in the Old Testament, in the Old and New Testaments, there's just a lot of use of that word. And there isn't that I know of a tradition of a breathing practice in the Judeo-Christian world. And why do you think they used a word like that for that to mean spirit? I mean, there are probably uh, breathing practices in, in the West as well. Uh, I think a lot of cultures have some uh, word, words that where the word for breath and the word for spirit or the animating force in life are the same. Because so much, you know, breath is life. You know, it's like without, breath is so closely connected to, to being alive. And you need uh, breath more than you need water or food or, you know, and, and you know, when you get born, you, you know, life begins with breath and ends with the breath. Um, and you can see, if, you, if you're paying attention to the breath, you see what an animating force it is, how, how deeply the breath is tied to all these emotional, psychological, spiritual aspects of us. Then it makes sense, you know, to call it that way. And um, so, like, you know, when God created uh, Adam and Eve, you know, out of a lump of clay, uh, he breathed into it. It was a breath that created, caused life. And... Um, so I think you know, it's such a, such a breathing is such a deep, intimate thing to the human psyche, to the human being, that um, it makes sense to connect it to life and spirit, spirituality. The word spirituality, you know, like respire and inspire and expire, and all these words contain the word breath in it. Yeah. Um, so in the book, the Buddha Dasa book, he talks about it. one of the first instructions is to um, start with your start at your nose and then follow it down to your belly button and back out and like that. And I tried that, and that seems like really a lot of work. I mean, it's like in and out, you know. But it's it's different from what you're talking about continuous, like on one spot. Yeah. You know, but it's just uh, well, that's another technique that uh, some people do. Is, uh, is if they follow the experience of breathing the breath and in the air in a sense come in through the nostrils in a sense going down the throat down to the lungs and some people get find that very compelling and then, so they can get concentrated that way and I guess it worked for Buddha Dasa 
And um, I was at a lot of work. I mean, we don't always have to be afraid of work. You know, like learning to, uh, uh, learning to ride a bicycle takes a lot of work initially, too. It's awkward and you fall off. And, you know, but after a, while it becomes, after a while, it becomes second nature. Look, Mom, no, hand, no hands. No, you, know, you, you know, you're riding a bike. So, say, you know, it, it might be doing this as a lot of work initially, but eventually, look, Mom, you know. And um, so, um, sorry? No, really. So... Yeah. <laughs> Did I answer your question? So uh, yeah, I don't care for the t- Buddha Dasa's technique so much myself. That way, but uh, some people find it useful. Yes. Oh, yeah. I find that if I keep my belly soft, it's very difficult to deep, uh, breathe deeply. It seems all the breaths are very shallow. Am I doing something wrong? Or? So he said that he, he, he finds that when he um, keeps his belly relaxed, his breathing seems to be more shallow, shallow. Is he doing something wrong? I don't know. It seems interesting to me. I don't know. You might uh, do it for a while. This is your first experience of it. You might, uh, it might take a while to discover what it's like and what's going on there. And, um, and maybe you're doing something right. Maybe, you know, you don't... Yeah. In meditation, um, you're, not just, you're not supposed to always have a deep breath. Uh, when, when you get concentrated and settled and relaxed in meditation, the breath often gets very slight, very subtle. And someone might say shallow, but very little. So sometimes being relaxed is a good sign you know, that that's happening. I don't know what's going on for you. So I would just study it and find out what, uh, you know, the trial and error expro- uh, approach of, my, of meditation. Find out which approach, your old way of breathing or this way of breathing, which is most conducive for developing strong concentration, a stillness, deeper peace, uh, deeper uh, you know, uh, stillness in the mind. Someone else? Okay. Well then, why don't you stand up and stretch and shake it all out and get ready for another last uh, last meditation.